Hey everybody, I'm Eric Arnault, and this is the final day of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories Fortnite from the Heart Celebration. We hope you enjoyed this two-week archival dive into some of our favorite love and love-adjacent stories and songs from our six-year history. We're closing today with a piece that's been described numerous times as one of the all-time greats from this show. Yesterday, we heard from the wonderful Faith D'Amato, and today we've got her brother James with the story about love, finding your calling, and tables. Truly, this is a classic Your Stories piece. It comes all the way from our April 2014 show, and given James' recent professional success, I think is just as interesting now as it was then. That's paired with a 2015 performance from myself and Dwight of one of my favorite songs of all time, truly, Extreme's hit, More Than Words. Oh, those harmonies. So tasty. So, I'm ending my personal fortnight with a small donation to the Chicago Design Museum. If you follow this show for a while, you'll surely know that name. We tend to do yearly collaborations with them, and they're always super fascinating. The Design Museum has been so kind to us, and I'm happy to return the favor whenever I can. They're currently running a pretty incredible exhibition on games in our culture that I absolutely adore. That's live through, I think, the second week of March. Uh, to learn more about their exhibits and how you can visit and help out, check out shydm, that's C-H-I-D-M dot com. And that's it. We're done, everybody. Weekly episodes resume this coming Monday with the first part of our Fan Fiction February 6th recording, which is taking place this Sunday night at the Logan Theater. If you're in Chicago, come on out. We'd love to see you there. And thanks again for following along with this daily dive into our past. It was a lot of fun for me, and I hope for you too. Now, James, take us out. All right, guys, our next speaker came last month with the group Peaches and Hot Sauce. They were a wonderful group of people to have here. And he's come back for more because I guess he liked us the first time. So, James D'Amato, thank you very much. Come on. I hope you're ready for another heavy one. Um, So, two months ago, I paid $1,200 for a table. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking that is crazy to spend $1,200 on a table. Don't worry. That was the deposit. The table is $4,000. The Geek Chic Emissary comes in your choice of cherry, maple, or walnut. It is totally bespoke, and it's customized to your nerdy lifestyle. I know many people have drooled over that on the internet. Uh, This is the Lamborghini of gaming tables. Uh, If you play Dungeons & Dragons on this thing, the dragon will actually hop out of the game and pour you a scotch. Um, But, and you know, as much as I wish, I am not the type of person who can just, you know, spend $4,000 on a table. Uh, I don't have that money. It took years and years of careful saving and, you know, not spending too much to earn that. Uh, but that's why I'm surprised to be standing in front of you as the owner of a Geek Chic Emissary, uh, or future owner, because that money was supposed to be an engagement ring. Yeah, there's the theme. This is not a story about fancy tables. Uh, I apologize to all the fans of fancy tables in the audience. Um, so I, I didn't always play uh, role-playing games. Uh, I, I own a I, I run a podcast called One Shot, which is all about one, uh, uh, role-playing games, and it's actually kind of my career path now. Um, but, you know, I wasn't a fan of these games my entire life. I actually got into them in college for one reason, and her name is Kat Murphy. 
Um, and uh, Kat is one of the most beautiful people that I have ever seen in my life. And I was instantly attracted to her. And she was signing up for the newbie game uh, of D&D when, you know, our freshman year in college. So I had begged my friend to drop his spot so that I could get in on that game. Um, And, you know, after a couple of months of talking about, you know, dumb games and superheroes and cartoons, she accidentally became the best friend that I have ever had. Um, And this wasn't a best friendship as I'm used to thinking of it. Sure, we both like cartoons and Magic the Gathering, but it was more than that. Uh, Before Cat, I have never been closer to another human being. Um, everything that I loved about my past was reaffirmed by her and everything I discovered that I loved, I shared with her. Um, and the proudest work, the work that I'm proudest of in my life, uh, was a collaboration of with her. So uh, we were tied closer together than I have ever been tied to another person, uh, in the world. And that friendship was so important to us, so fundamental to who we had become as people that we were both terrified at the thought of losing it, obviously because we were afraid of falling in love. Um, Like any good opposite gender friends, we would laugh off the idea when people brought it up to us, but it sort of hung in the air like a guillotine. A relationship between us was a real possibility, and it would have real consequences. Uh, If things failed, we risked damaging that friendship that was so important to us. And almost as terrifying, if things succeeded, that would probably be it. We would be in our 20s and dating the person that we were going to marry. So, like any responsible adults in that situation, we ignored it as much as possible. And that did not work. Our senior year, we kissed, and then we moved to Chicago together after we graduated. Um, Now, if anybody here is thinking about moving in with their significant other, um, especially in light of the personal tragedy that is obviously coming at the end of the story, (laughs) my advice is this. Stop worrying and do it. uh, Because, like... Living with your significant other and the person that you love is the best. Uh, every night is like the greatest sleepover that you've ever been to. And honestly, I wish I had more mature terms to put that in. But I am a grown man who watches cartoons every day. So I am working with limited resources here. <laughs> While we lived together, Kat and I dreamt up some of the best ideas either of us have ever had. And during the day, we were just like everyone else our age. We were working jobs we hated to get by on very little. But at home, at night, we were geniuses. We were artists creating the kind of worlds that I wanted to see and writing the kind of stories that I wanted to read. I wanted that feeling and that person forever. Uh, but uh, one day I came home and she was sad. And like every other time when she was sad, I asked her to tell me what was wrong. And I told her that we she would feel better when she told me. And I told her that we could handle it together. But this time the problem wasn't work or money or family. It was us. And uh, heartbreak sucks. But uh, the biggest thing that we were both worried about was losing that friendship. Um, 
I forgot what I was supposed to say. We are to- we totally ignored conventional wisdom and we fought to stay friends. We even helped each other look for apartments after we broke up. Uh, we stayed in the same game of D&D and we talked basically every day and it hurt so bad to be so close to her and not be with her. But together we saved that friendship. And as things normalized, they held out a little hope that maybe she just needed time to grow and that maybe we both needed time to grow and we could still be together someday. But then John came along. And in addition to possessing innumerable physical and character flaws, the apex of which is that he is wrong about Batman. John is actually a kind and wonderful person who loves my best friend very much. Um, and this on Christmas Eve this year, when I got a call from Kat, I knew what was happening when the phone rang. Uh, once, after a week without contact, Kat and I called each other to have a conversation about a new idea for a Zelda game we had thought up. And despite being separated by time and distance, we had the same idea at the same time. It was very exciting, and this call was exactly like that, except she said, I'm engaged. Um... And in that moment, all my hopes and illusions fell apart. The romantic portion of our lives together was over. Really over. And what I thought was the answer turned out to be not the answer. I cannot spend every day with my best friend. One day, maybe one day soon, our lives will change and go in very different directions. She could move. I could move. We might go days or weeks or even months without speaking. And if I want love, if I want a partner, a family, I need to start over with someone else. Somehow I have to find that powerful, amazing connection with another person. And when I was contemplating the possibility of dying alone, she said to me, will you be my maid of honor? And I realized that all those feelings of loss and loneliness, as bad as they are, are only temporary. Despite the significance of that moment and the profound pain that I was experiencing, I was not dead. Years from now, when I look back on this time, I'm going to remember being there for the most important friend that I have ever had. Pain is fleeting. But the joy that you get from the people who are truly and deeply important to you That's going to last you until you die. So I took the money that was going to start our lives together, and I bought a table. Because I am actually really bad with money. (laughs) But like our friendship, that table is unique and precious. It will be the foundation of countless imaginary worlds. And if treated with respect and care, it will be with me for the rest of my life. And as scars go... That is not a bad one to have. Thank you. Wonderful. All right, me and Dwight are going to do a song. We actually, this is kind of a cheat. We played this at Your Stories like four years ago before we ever recorded it. So there's no internet version of us doing this song. And I am going to, uh, so if there's one thing that I think I could really like offer the world of music criticism, it's a reevaluation of the band Extreme, who I think 
I think, and I say this with no irony, is easily the best band of the 1980s. Okay, if you if you track their first four albums, it's this kind of brilliant progression. Like the, uh, they're growing up in front of you, right? So their first album, hold this, give me a second. So their first album is fixated on childhood with songs called like Little Girls and Wind Me Up and Come Out and Play. And it's all about hey, we just got these instruments and we're we're gonna be puerile and dumb kids. And their second album is like they're starting to make money for it and it's called Pornography and it's what happens when you introduce economics into the equation and all of a sudden things aren't so nice and playful it's about things like sex and, and money and drugs and selling out yourself and and it's all in the guise of this really dumb stupid like frat music and I fucking love it it's so good and so this song that a bunch of housewives think is like a super romantic song I think is not at all this song is saying hey you don't need to tell me you love me, just fuck me. Like, that's not romantic at all. That's just a dude trying to get some. So anyway, this is the only hit single that Extreme really ever had. This is called More Than Words. If you know anybody at Rolling Stone, I'd really like to write this article. <laughs>
This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.